in just next week, uh, for I forget how many weeks, four or five weeks, six weeks, something like that, we're doing a new teaching series out of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Uh, when you say wisdom literature, you think of the books of Job and parts of the book of Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then the Song of Songs. And so we're going to look at what wisdom is. The, the title of the series is Navigating Life. Wisdom in the Hebrew actually has a navigational term rather fitting for this poor Clinton area. So it's, how do we navigate life? And hopefully uh, through that series we'll understand that there are two paths we can take in life. There is the path of wisdom and there is the path of folly. And how do we end? There's the middle road, but if you take the middle road, by default, you end up on the path of folly. So how can we be sure we stay on the path of wisdom? So that's what we'll be talking about starting next week. Now, last week and today, what we're looking at are the two ordinances that Jesus gave the church. Ordinances, what I mean is what Jesus ordained, uh, commanded the church to observe between today and the day he comes again. And last week, we looked at communion, and of course, when you take the drink the cup and eat the bread, you are remembering what Jesus did on the cross to make a place at God's eternal table for you. But today what we're looking at is baptism, a symbolic picture of a spiritual reality. So let's talk about baptism, but before we do that, let me talk about television. Makes sense. I, I would suspect that many of you in this room enjoy this kind of television show, the before and after. You know, for example, Fixer Upper with Joanna Gaines and, and Chip Gaines. Yeah, that's fun to see. At the end of the show, they show the house the way it was. You think completely in disrepair. And then this amazing transformation, before and after. Have you checked out the kids' ministry over here afterward? Just walk down there and see what's been done. The before and the after, it's, it's really incredible. Um, I, I was the other, the other day with my son ripping up some old carpet. He's getting married in September. He's married into a family who are all, it seems, gifted in the area of construction. And uh, they just have the ability to remodel and refurbish. And as I'm ripping up the carpet, I said to my son, I, I don't think I have the gift of construction. I have, the, I have the gift of destruction. You have to be gifted in some way. Some of you might like to take old cars and breathe new life into them. Um, my wife and I like to watch the, the show Chopped, where you take these amazingly mismatched ingredients and they turn them into this amazing dish before and after. Uh, or maybe you like to refinish and reupholster furniture. Or the other day I was talking to a guy who took a 1950s Lyman boat. And the reason he told me the story, because I had a Lyman shirt on, we had a Lyman boat growing up, and he, you know what a Lyman boat, uh, the, the kind of work that goes into it, two years, and he turned it into something brand new, before and after. Don't you love to hear before and after stories? Baptism is very much a before and after experience. And when you look in the Bible, what you'll find there are two kinds of baptism. There's water baptism, which we're going to see in just a little while. But water baptism is a symbolic picture of a, of a deeper kind of baptism, a spiritual baptism. So before we get to this baptism, it'd be good to understand a little bit more about the spiritual baptism that lies behind the symbolic baptism. Now, there are a number of passages in Scripture that speak to this, but one that comes to mind is Paul's book of Romans, which is heavily theological. Chapter 6, 
some verses that he writes go like this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Now, in those few short verses, did you see the before and the after? It's heavily theological. I thought what we might do is put it back on the screen in one slide, and now as I read it again, look for the before and the after. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Now, to help us understand what Paul is saying, and especially as it relates eventually to water baptism, and what he's saying related to spiritual baptism, which lies behind the symbol itself, it might be helpful to put some of the words and some of the phrases into two columns. Let's do it like this. There is the before column. And he talks about our old simple selves and how we are slaves to sin. Let me just address the idea of sin for a moment. That's such an ugly word, and nobody really likes to use it. Maybe it was Dania Carvey playing the, the uh, church lady on Saturday Night Live that, that made it so distasteful. I don't know, but nobody really likes to think about sin, and yet the Bible is really clear. God is really clear that that's who we are. It's just an old term that means we have missed the mark. If God is at 100% perfection, then the rest of us are somewhere down below that. And it's not just our behavior it flows out of our hearts itself. It is a heart disease. Every now and then I'll talk to somebody who says, you know, we're basically good people. And I want to say, and sometimes I've said, have you read world history? <laughs> have you read the newspaper? Have you read your own heart? Have you looked at your own heart? Have you looked at the shadows of your own soul? Because what you'll find there is that you've missed the mark that there's something there, and it's kept us separated from God, separated from each other, separated from ourselves. And there's a stain there in our souls. There's a, there's a sin stain in our souls that not one of us with the best Clorox in the world can wash away. With our best efforts, our best deeds today, we cannot wash that away. It takes God. And so Paul gives us some other words and some other phrases like, like these, we've been crucified, died with Christ, crucified with Christ, united in his death. Now, let me just walk us through a little bit of, forgive me, Christianity 101. This may be very elementary to you, and forgive me, but, but it's sort of a flyby of the Bible story. God created everything perfectly, and Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with each other a perfect connection within themselves. And then Adam decided to walk away from God's leadership 
and he drove the bus of humanity off the cliff, and we all went with him. And ever since that time, sin has been in the human race, and we can't get away from it. But God, rather than swiping his hand, saying, you know what, this whole creation idea, this whole humanity idea was kind of a mistake. Let's just sort of start over. Let's, do it. Let's have a redo. Instead of saying that, God says, you know what, I want to rescue humanity. I want to restore creation. I want to retrieve what's been made. And so God launches this cosmic plan to rescue all of humanity, you and me. And he starts with this little nation called Israel. And it's through Israel that the nations, that the peoples of the world will be reached. And it's, it's, through, it's through Israel that people will understand how we are to approach a holy God and to be forgiven of our sins. Well, if you read the scriptures, you'll see this one phrase, which is a little bit unsettling. With, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But instead of people shedding their blood, God implements this animal sacrifice system, a substitutionary sacrifice system where an animal can take the place of a person. And so for years, an individual, a mom and a dad and their kids would come before God with this spotless, unblemished animal and present it to God. And God would accept that animal and forgive them of their sins for a little while longer. And then the next year, they'd have to do it again. And then they would do it again. And then they would do it again because they know their souls were stained and they needed to be forgiven. But all of that, all of that, in a progressive revelation kind of way, points to the day when Jesus would come. When John the Baptist was standing there baptizing, he looked up and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, looking at Jesus. Not an animal, but God in the flesh, Jesus himself, who would die on the cross. And it was on the cross where God's wrath against sin and his love for you and me met perfectly. And then, and then one day, Peter would write these words. Christ died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We can be forgiven through Christ. Now, this is where spiritual baptism comes in. Whoever, whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus, by God's Spirit, their life is joined in union with Christ. Whenever someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, their life is immersed into union with Christ. Whenever someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, their life is baptized into union with Christ. That's what baptism means, immersion. When you hear somebody say, I am in Christ, that means they've been baptized into Christ. And so when Christ goes to the cross, your sins and my sins go to the cross with him. When Christ goes to the cross, the penalty for your sins and my sins go with him. And when Christ goes to the grave, your sins and my sins are buried with him. Do you know that one verse where God says, their sins I will remember no more. We are forgiven, 
Now I could stop right there and we could all say, that is really good news. I'm forgiven. But it even gets better because what we just talked about was the demolition part. Now we're going to talk about the rebuild part. We become alive in Christ. The other day, uh, my good friend Jim, we grew up together in Huron, played football together and all of that. And we took our wives out for a sandwich and then we, we drove um, through Huron, which doesn't take a long time. But we drove through the neighborhood, the neighborhoods where we grew up and into his neighborhood and we wanted to show our wives something. Because back when I was 20 years old, my friend Jim and I went for a drive. And just a few months beforehand, he had, he had entered into a relationship through faith in Jesus. And I wanted to know, what's going on with you? And we, we parked the car down by the beach. And the other night with our wives, we parked the car in the same spot. This was a cold, rainy November night when my friend Jim told me about how God loves me and wants to have a relationship with me and wants to forgive me. And, oh, man, it was fun showing our wives where that, where all, where that happened. That's where I believe I gave my life to Christ. My sins were forgiven. The penalty of my sins was removed. And that's where God gave me new life. He raised me to, to new life. Paul says, when someone gives their lives to Christ, they are given a new nature. Now, that doesn't mean our sin nature is taken away. We still have our sin nature. Over the years, as I've walked with Christ, what a struggle it's been. I've told people, I've given God many opportunities to give up on me, but Scripture says that God, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He's hung in there with me. It's still a struggle. In fact, Paul, after he writes this sixth chapter of Romans, in the seventh chapter, he says, why do I do the things I don't want to do and not do the things I do want to do? He experienced a struggle too. But in Romans chapter 8, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are forgiven. And the rest of chapter 8 is how we can follow Jesus, our leader, by the strength of God's Spirit who lives within us. That's the Christian life. That's spiritual baptism. We, are, we die with Christ. We are buried with Christ. We are raised with Christ. And God's Spirit comes to live within Spiritual baptism is a mystery. I can't explain it really well. I mean, we can look at Scripture, but it's still, it's a mystery. So Jesus, knowing that it's a mystery, but how important it is, he says, here's a way to show physically what happened inwardly. Water baptism. So shortly after I became a Christian, when I was age 20, I was baptized. Now, that was a hard decision for me because as a kid, as a baby, I don't remember it, my parents had me christened over a baptismal font. And I really honor my parents for following that tradition. But I also knew, I also knew that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I needed to be baptized. I wanted to show publicly what I believed, that I was a, that I was a Christ follower. It was a step of obedience. And, and those who are going to be baptized in just a few moments, it is a step of obedience. And it's showing publicly a, a before and after experience. My sins have been washed away, and I am raised to new life. And it's saying publicly, it is Jesus 
who I will follow. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the privilege right now to be a part of this baptism experience with these friends who want to say publicly, this is who they follow. But we know that even behind all of that, there is what you have done in the human heart. You have washed away our sins. You've buried them. You've given us new life and a new strength and a new will to go at life your way. Would you help them to do that? Help us to do that. And for any here who maybe have never put their trust in you, have never been sure of that forgiveness, God, give them just the heart to to reach out to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.